Church Downtown is a community of people striving to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that you're inspired by the following message to know the love of Jesus more deeply and to follow him more passionately. For more information about our church, this message, or about being a Christ follower, please visit us at churchdowntown.org. I'm old, got old eyes, man. I'm glad y'all are here. A lot of you I know, obviously. Uh, and uh, man, it is so good to see uh, Church United doing so well down here. And I, it, Pastor Rob called me and he's like, can you preach? I'm like, no, I can't. But in my heart, I was like, but I really want to. And I said, well, what time's your service? He said, 10. I said, I can do that. I thought it was at 11. So uh, I, I'm just I, super jazzed about the opportunity to be here. I used to do three services every week. We were in a church. We out building that we outgrew, and we did three services and three Sunday schools at the same time every week. And I would go home and collapse. I couldn't do anything after that. And then I thought, after I said yes, I woke up this morning and went, and we lost an hour of sleep last night. <laughs> so, uh, so if I collapse up here, just carry me out. Somebody else take over. It'll be okay. Uh, but no, I am so, I'm so glad to be here. You can be opening your Bibles to Acts 10. And when Pastor Rob called, I was, I was just excited to be able to do this. And I'm going to cover 48 verses of the Bible, but I'm not going to read them all. And I, won't, I obviously won't talk about each one. The only way to get me to do a 30-minute message is make me have to leave in time, right? So, um, oh, good, I've got a clock right there, too, so I know where I am. So that is awesome. Uh, but uh, last week, I preached this sermon at, at Calvary, and I said... Hey, it kind of fits. Rob just told me a couple of things y'all were doing. And I was like, wow, well, this, I think this will fit. I modified it, of course, uh, hopefully, uh, to, to meet your needs. But then I walked in today, and I saw that he's in the middle of a series called Stretch Marks. And, and, and I asked Brother Jim what that was about. And he was talking about Elijah and Elisha, which are some of my favorite characters in the Bible, some of my favorite stories come out of those two men in the Bible. So that was exciting. And the sermon really fits Stretch Marks. Because I'm in Acts 10, and in Acts 10, we see something very interesting happen. And that is that the door of the gospel is open to you and me. Uh, now, anybody in here physically a Jew? Like, your parents are Jewish, you're Jewish, your last name's Levi or Greenberg or something? Nobody, okay. Well, guess what? If it weren't, I went back there, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I'm, I'm glad to see you. Amen. Woo. Um, my, my kids live in Israel, so I, I, and I used to be in a prayer group just for Israel, so... Uh, I have a heart for that. But in Acts chapter 10, if that didn't happen, the rest of us wouldn't be here. Amen? And just to kind of put it in a little bit of a context, y'all remember back in Matthew when Jesus said, who are men saying that I am? They said, oh, some of this, some of that, whatever. And then Jesus turns the question, which we all have to answer, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, hey, good job. But that didn't come from you. God told you that. And so you're blessed. And he says, your name's Peter, which means the rock. And that's not his name. His name's Simon, which means something totally different than rock. And Peter, I believe he's the most popular ADHD guy in the Bible. He's, he obviously suffers with impulse control. And, and Jesus goes, you're the rock, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. Now, those that, that are in the, the, the Catholic way of doing things, the Roman Catholic way of doing things, have ruined for us uh, the very basic truth that Peter is the first guy. He is the guy that was leading the church at the beginning. Now, we don't believe in apostolic secession and all that kind of stuff, 
But don't make less of Peter than Jesus intended because what did Jesus go on to say? He says, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and what you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven and what you lock on earth will be locked on in heaven. Now, I believe that that also transfers to the church, that the church has a, a great authority in the world. But now think about it, the book of Acts, I'm preaching through the book of Acts. In Acts 2, what happens in Acts 2? Pentecost, right? You know why 3,000 people got saved at Pentecost? Because at least 3,000 people were there. The more people you talk to, the more people get saved. It's funny how that works. And, uh, but when Peter preached, what happened? The Holy Spirit fell on everybody. The Holy Spirit fell on the apostles. Peter goes out and preaches, and he unlocks the door, and the Holy Spirit comes. We go all the way to Acts 8, and a bunch of Samaritans, Philip, the first deacon, becomes an evangelist. He's out preaching uh, because of persecution, because Stephen uh, is put to death, all that. And Philip's out there preaching, and some Samaritans who are half Jewish, half Gentile, and which made them hated by Gentiles and Jews. They're kind of isolated. There's still a group of them alive, but they got a lot of problems. But nobody liked them, and they wanted to be saved. And Philip sends back and says, hey, I got a bunch of people up here in Samaria got saved. Peter, you need to come. And Peter comes, and when Peter gets there, Peter prays for him. The Holy Spirit comes. Unlock door number two. Half Jewish, now they're saved. But in the church, the, the Jewish believers felt like this was just for Jewish people. In, in, the, in Acts, I'm not my sister back there, but in the book of Acts, felt like this is just for Jewish people. In fact, I'm in chapter 11 today at Calvary where Peter gets criticized for what happens in Acts chapter 10. And Peter's like, hey, it ain't my fault. God did this. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a great study. I, I recommend reading 10 and 11 and, 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 and letting God speak to you through that. But, but the Gentiles, nah, they can't be saved. And there's a party within the church called the circumcision party, which says you've got to be Jewish before you can be Christian. And we look in chapter 10 and verse 1, and we see a guy named Cornelius who is a, uh, a centurion, which means he's over 100 men. And in a, in a legion, there's 6,000 men divided into 60 groups of 100, and he's over one of those groups. And it's the Italian group, the Italian band. He's the centurion over that. But it says he's devout, and he gave alms, and he prayed. And he recognized that the God of Israel was a true God, but he doesn't fully become a proselyte of Israel. Now, that was available to him. If you were a Gentile and you wanted to become Jewish, you could go through a process and become a proselyte. You're not physically Jewish, but you can be ceremonially Jew Jewish. But he doesn't go through that, I believe, for two reasons. One reason is because God wanted to do something that was so Gentile they couldn't say, well, yeah, but he was, a, he was technically a Jew. But number two, I believe that the Jewish people had messed up the simple things that God wanted so much that no, nobody wanted to do it. That he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go through all the ceremony. He didn't want to give up bacon is what I'm saying. You know, like they, they, they just caught some shrimp in the med and he, he's not going to not eat his shrimp. You know what I'm saying? In, in case you don't know where I am, go back and read Old Testament laws. People get all bent out of shape. You know, that's called proof texting. Fundamentalists like to proof, proof text. If you don't know what a fundamentalist is, that's no fun. A lot of damn, very little mental. Okay? And there's somebody that's like, oh, you got to do this. And the Bible says, don't you get those tattoos. Anybody tells me that? I've got one, and uh, I'd like to have another, but I, I, only, got, I only had money for one. But um, I just look at them and go, well, when you give up bacon and pork and you quit wearing polyester blend stuff, then I'll, I'll, I'll do that. 
Because all those are Old Testament laws. And he said, you're ceremonially unclean if you do this. But man, in Jesus' day, they're like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And I'm just afraid that in the church we've done something similar. Where, where you can, you got you to gotta be a church member without more than being a Christian. We, we want people to be in church more than we want them to be saved. Now, I believe if you're saved, you'll be in church. But, but we get so bent out of shape. We get all that so backwards. And Peter here is about to see a new thing that he's not used to, right? You with me? He's about to see something he's never seen before, and he had to stretch. So I think those stretch marks title, this will fit in, even though it might not be what Pastor Rob had uh, for you today. Uh, For whatever reason, I'm I'm here. So in in Acts chapter 10, and, and here's something I want you to take home with you. We are now free to preach the gospel to everybody. There's nobody shouldn't hear the gospel. When I was a teenager, I grew up, y'all don't know me from Adam's house cat. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Actually, I grew up in North Charleston. I always say Charleston because everybody knows where that is. But I grew up in North Charleston. And North Charleston is, is the blue-collar area of Charleston, especially in my day. So that's where common folks live like me, okay? The rich people live downtown. The rest of us lived in North Charleston. And, and at, at the church I grew up in, we got a new preacher, and we are going to go out in the community And we were given instructions that if we knocked on the door and the wrong person answered, the wrong kind of person, we were given a phrase and we were to walk away. Can you believe that? That, that We thought the gospel was only for a certain group of people, I guess. You following me? Now, I was a kid. That was years ago. Please don't overly judge those people because we got it right really fast. I'll just go ahead and share that with you. We, We took care of that really quickly. God did anyway. But we come in Acts 10, and Peter is facing even more than that. For thousands of years now, these laws have been part of what it meant to be Jewish. And Peter has done the best he can to follow those laws. And now he's part of something brand new. And everything is new. And as the leader of that new movement, God's going to use him to change everybody's mind about what it means to be a Christian. You follow with me? You with me? I just need, like, I, I really need to know you're with me. Okay, good. So in Acts 10, we see this, and, and I've already mentioned about, about uh, uh, Cornelius, because there are people God wants to prepare to hear the gospel, and that's what God's doing in Cornelius. He's preparing him to hear the gospel. And so Cornelius becomes a man who's aware of God. He becomes a man who's given alms. He becomes a, a man who is praying. And, and he, he's doing these, these things. But God, because... God's working in his life, Cornelius had a desire to know more about God. And so God gives him something special he didn't give a lot of people. He says, there's a guy down there in Joppa named Peter. Send some people to go get him because he's got a message for you. That's all God told him. An angel appeared and told him that. And so they sent for it. Now, if you're like me, I don't know where Joppa is. Does anybody in here know where Joppa is? I can tell you where it is in modern day because I looked it up because I wanted to know. If you go to Tel Aviv, that's where Joppa is. In fact, Joppa is still there just outside of Tel Aviv. What happens in Acts 9 happened outside of Joppa, which is, but, the, but the airport is what that other city in Acts 9 is. And Joppa was right next to it, and now Tel Aviv is built there. And so, so Peter's over there uh, in, in that place, and Cornelius is told to send for him, and so he obeys the vision, and he sends for Peter. But you see, God had to do something else. Not only did he have to prepare the one to receive he had to prepare the one that's going to go and fill the receptacle. 
Okay? I pause. I'm like, a, you know, the president. They say a sentence and they wait on everybody to applaud before they go on. I don't want you to applaud. I just want, just go, yep, I got you. Go, keep going. All right. So, so that's what's going on here. And then God has to do something for Peter. So Peter's hanging out in Joppa. He has to prepare Peter for this. Peter is a strict dude, and we see that in his vision. And he's hungry. He comes in and goes, dude, I'm starving. He said, we'll make it make eat. And, you know, back then they didn't have refrigeration, so I'm sure it took a little bit of time to prepare. So he goes over the rooftop and he starts praying. And just like many of us, while he's praying, I don't know if he fell asleep or not, but he sees a vision, okay? Now, you may not have seen a vision, but sometimes when you go to pray, you, you fall asleep. Uh, I'm old enough, if I get still and quiet, I fall asleep. So I got to, sometimes I got to read a book standing up just so I don't, just so I don't pass out, you know? But Peter sees a vision, and you, you've heard this story probably. If not, please read it. I, I just don't have time to read all 48 verses, plus get done. So what happens is Peter sees this vision, and this big sheet comes down, and on it are all kinds of animals, a lot of clean animals on there, but there's camels, and there's squirrels, and there's rabbits, and there's catfish, and shrimp, and bacon, and, and snakes. And then God says, Peter, rise, kill and eat. You hungry? Kill those and eat them. And Peter goes, nah, Lord, not me, man. That, you got some laws about that, and I've never disobeyed those laws, and I'm not going to start now. Have you ever eaten something exotic? I ate rat on the roadside in Thailand. You go, ooh. What? You think God made unclean animals? They, they, they live in the rice paddies, they just, the, the rice fields. They just, they steal electricity off the light pole and run a wire around the rice paddy. When the rats go in to get the, ri- the rice, shocks them. They got 60 kilos one night. And they cook them on a grill on the side of the road. And we just stopped, bought a dozen rats, and we ate them. Pretty good, actually. It tastes like chicken. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it tastes like rats, what it tastes like. But. So Peter's looking at all this stuff that he will not eat, and God says, rise, kill, and eat. I mean, he is not Bear grills. He's Peter. He's not going to eat that mess. And, and God said, what I call clean, don't you dare call unclean. You remember us in the Old Testament? David needs to get the ark back. And instead of doing it the way God told him, like have the priest carry it on their shoulders, they put it on a brand, oh, well, if it's a brand new car, it's, it's obviously good, right? It's a brand new car. So we'll, we'll put the thing on there, and they put it on, and they're going. And Uzzah's walking beside it, and, you know, they hit a bad spot in the road. And Uzzah puts his hand up so the ark won't fall, and God kills him. And I always thought, well, that was kind of unkind of God to kill poor Uzzah. I mean, he's just trying to protect the ark, right? Number one, God doesn't need help protecting himself. And number two, R.C. Sproul said, how dare Uzzah think his dirty hand, dirty sinful hand was cleaner than God's good dirt? Good, good point. And God says to Peter basically the same thing. How dare you call what I made unclean? How dare you call a baby in the womb not a human being? How dare you call that less than God's creation? Psalm 139, right? I know I don't have to convince you guys of that. And so that's what's going on here. And so Peter sees this vision, and God repeats it three times. And here's, here's what's so good for you and me. Not only does God prepare those he wants us to go to because God's got preparing people for Church United to meet and to greet and to bring into, into salvation. But here's the really great thing. God will be preparing you to talk to them, right? And so here, here's what happens is when God gets you prepared, he gives you an immediate opportunity to obey. 
When, when, you, when you're in, in, in Acts 10, and if you've got your Bible and you can see it, um, let me see where that verse is. Uh, look, beginning in verse 9 through 16 is the vision. And in verse 17 it says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexing as to what the vision he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius stood at the gate. As soon as Peter gets this word from God, God gives him opportunity to obey. Did you know God won't tell you anything new until you obey what he already told you? People say, oh, I just, you know, it seems like I'm stuck. I can't hear from God. Whenever that happens to me, I ask myself this question. What's the last thing God told me and did I do it? And if I didn't do the last thing, why would he tell me the next thing? Right? That's what's happening here. And Peter, he gets this word from God and God goes, oh, by the way, some guys out there at the gate, you need to talk to them. Now, again, Peter is, came up where you wouldn't do this. And here's how we know God's already working in Peter. After Peter goes, says, what is it? Said, hey, we're from this other place. Uh, our master, uh, Cornelius, sent us. God told him to come find you. You're Peter, right? Yeah, that's me. Well, yeah, God told him that we'd come to Joppa, we'd find you, and you need to go back and tell Cornelius something. We don't know what, but you've got to tell him something. And Peter said, okay, come on in. It's too late to get there tonight, so spend the night here. Peter took Gentiles into the home he was in. By the way, he's in Simon the Tanner's home. Uh, Jewish people would not hang out with a tanner because he's always touching dead animals. Every time he touched a dead animal, he was ceremonially unclean for seven days, and he's tanning hides every day, so he could never even go to the temple. And Peter's hanging out with him. So Peter's already getting moved. Now he gets a vision. Now these Gentiles come. Peter says, come on in. You stay with us. And here's some food. And he has fellowship and he welcomes them. He's breaking a bunch of Jewish laws already in doing what he's doing. There's this immediate application. And then the Bible says the next day in verse 23, so he invited them in to be his guest. And the next day he arose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. We find out later six men went with Peter. And Peter wants accountability. He wants confirmation from God that this is God's will. He wants witnesses to what happened, which if you go and read chapter 11, you find out it was a good thing because Peter comes under scrutiny. He goes, not just me. These six guys can tell you the same thing. Here's what happened. You can ask them. But Peter asked them to go with him. And in this immediate, Peter immediately obeys. I love the call of Abraham. It says the next day he got up and went. The call of Moses. Next day Moses gets up and goes. Whenever God calls the men of God in the Bible, except for this one exception, some dude, he got an air-conditioned submarine ride in a whale, you know, that guy. Other than him, most of them just said yes and went and did it. And, and, and that's Peter here. Peter just goes, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm doing it. Even though it went contrary to his cultural beliefs. And all of us have them. All of us have a prejudice in our life about people, and you may be unaware of it. It's not just about race. It could be racial, but it could be socioeconomic. It could be what area of the world or what area of the country you come from or someone else comes from. You may be prejudiced against a person of a different skin tone. Or, By the way, I was talking about this last week, and I don't know if you used to be at Calvary. You know George Savage. He used to be a science teacher. He's a, he's a great man. And uh, he came up to me afterwards. He said, did you know that every person in the world has the same amount of melanin in their body? It's just... Some are more, it comes out more in other pe some people than others. And by the way, you don't know what color you are anyway because what you're looking at is the outside of the house. And God just painted the houses different colors. You may get to heaven, look in the mirror and go, <gasps> you know, because you, 
You might be surprised. So don't be so judgmental. You know, that's just racial. But you might be prejudiced against somebody that's rich or somebody that's poor or somebody that's middle class. You might be prejudiced against somebody from a different part of the United States or a different part of the world. And we allow that to stop us from sharing Jesus. Jesus didn't die for a certain group of people. You see, I tell you, I was from Charleston. When I was in fifth grade, they made a documentary about Charleston. And if you're like me, you didn't get to go see how the rich people lived. They wouldn't let you in their house. They wouldn't let you in their backyard. So the, I'm, 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 I'm 10 years old. They made this documentary. And so they got, let them see their gardens in the back, all this beauty the stuff. It's just amazing. But what I remember is Charleston has the nickname of the Holy City. Nobody knows why and how it got that nickname. It, there are a lot of first churches there. But they asked this lady sitting in her living room, and, and I, you could hear the clocks ticking. I, 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 this is frozen in my mind. Just hear click, click, quiet as it could be, just click. And they said, why is Charleston the holy city? And she said, this is a Charleston accent too, by the way. We believe that God saved Charleston for a certain group of people, and that's who we are. I went, I was only 10. I went, whoa, <laughs> that's weird. There are people that have that attitude in the church or in their own lives where we feel superior to others. The Christian way is you want to be the leader, be the servant of all. You serve others. Everybody's more important than you are. There's no job below your station in life that that we are all on the same team. We're all in the same body. We all work together. Well, God made this very clear to Peter. And so then Peter, God wants to save somebody that nobody else wants to get saved. You ever thought about that? There's somebody that you, you would, like, it probably would have ticked me off if some of Bin Laden had gotten saved. I mean, I'll just be honest. I was glad when they shot him. Now, that ain't Christian. I, I, I should be heartbroken that he went to hell, but I'm not. That's a prejudice. That's a hatred. And God wants to save people that nobody else wants to get saved. And he may use you to be the witness. So Peter shows up there at Cornelius' house, and it cracks me up what happens. Look, at, if you can see it, uh, look, look what it says uh, in verse 28. Peter says, You yourselves know it's unlawful for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation. But God showed me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And so when I was sent for, I came without objection. And then Peter says this. I asked then, why did you send for me? Everything Peter's done up to this point, he doesn't even know why he's doing it. All he knows is that some guy asked for him to come see him and he went. He has no clue what God's up to. But he knew God was up to something, and so he just obeyed until God showed him what to do. And then Cornelius recounts the story. Well, I was praying, and all of a sudden, I saw this angel. He told me to send for you, and that you had a message for me. Did you know you've got a message for somebody? You've got a message for people? Very first church I ever pastored is a little church on John's Island, south of Charleston. It's the second largest island on the eastern seaboard. But back then, it was just all farmland. And then this tiny little country church. And a lady from the church I grew up in, because I went to the same church for 23, 4, 5 years before I, I started pastoring another church. And um, just grew up in this other church. And a lady from that church was there. And I was like, Miss Smart, good to see you. And I mean, like, 
there's more people in the first two rows here than we're in that church back then. And like, oh, you know, this is a lady who goes to Charleston Heights where I grew up, and she's here today. So after I said, preacher, no, you're here. You know, what's going on? She said, I've been praying about some problems. I've been having these issues in my life. And I was in prayer, and God told me to come here because he gave you the answer. I went, excuse me? I mean, I, listen, I'm like 20, you know, 21. I'm young. I'm, I'm young and dumb and full ice cream. I didn't know up from down. And, and I said, did he answer him? <laughs> I don't stutter, <laughs> you know, but I did then. And she said, yeah, I even brought a tape recorder to make sure I got it all. That floored me. God's got something for you, and you don't even know what you're doing half the time. But if you'll be faithful and if you speak with the knowledge that God is moving in your life, You'll be a witness and you don't even know it. You know, there are people watching you, family members, workmates, friends, neighbors, and they're watching how you live and how you talk and what you do. And Peter has this very specific call to go, and he goes, and he starts preaching. And again, we didn't get to read it all. And here, just a quick note. If you read this sermon that Peter starts preaching, he doesn't go back and start talking about Abraham and the tribes and the deliverance from Egypt. He just jumps in with, you've heard about Jesus. You know what happened. You guys, you know, the Jews put him on the cross, but he used you guys to do it. Well, God raised the dead, and he just launches into the gospel. You know, you got to know who your audience is. Peter doesn't go, and, and, and at Pentecost, preach a bunch of Jews, he goes through the history of Israel. Here he doesn't do it. He just starts talking about Jesus. And so I think that's a kind of cool point. But Peter starts preaching, and as he's telling the gospel, and I love this verse, in verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. We don't know when to shut up. <laughs> and by we, I mean preachers, not you guys. You know, it's like, like I said, I go very long on very few verses, and I'm doing really well right now, so I don't want to mess that up. You know, when you got more time, you're always late, right? It's when you're in a hurry, you get there on time. And, but... Peter's still talking, and it's like God goes, okay, Peter, you're not going to shut up. Let me just do my thing. And he pours the Holy Spirit out on Cornelius and all the Gentiles. By the way, I kind of skipped over it. When Peter gets there, Cornelius had gathered his friends and family to be there because he knew the message coming was from God, and they needed to hear it. And as Peter is speaking, God falls on all those people, and they're saved. Now, I know there are people that say that you get saved, and later you can have this second baptism in the Holy Spirit, and that's when... Different things happen. Listen, all of us have a gift. It was given to you at salvation because the Holy Spirit, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit at salvation. Romans 8, 11 says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're lost. So you don't get a second baptism. You can have multiple fillings, but you don't get baptized because baptized means to immerse. Y'all are in a Baptist church if you don't know it. And baptize is a Greek word that means to immerse. Ancient Greek, there's a passage that says a ship sank and it says it was baptized. Okay, so it just means to immerse. So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit's in you, outside of you, above you, below you, on every side of you. You are immersed into God. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Amen. So as you walk through this life, you're surrounded and filled with God in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. Why? Because it's Peter preaching. He unlocks the third and last door. And now you and I... Don't have to go, I wonder, should I talk to that guy? Yeah, you should talk to that guy about Jesus. You don't have to wonder, should we go into this neighborhood? Yeah, you should go into that neighborhood. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it, I'll go back to, 
to Osama bin Laden, if he were standing there with a gun trained on me and about to kill me, and my heart full of hatred toward him for what he did, the task God is giving me at that moment is tell him about Jesus. And I have to put my hatred and prejudice aside to say, Jesus is God and there is none but him. And unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Amen? That's our job is to tell everybody, whether you like them or not, whether you're prejudiced against them or not. It's our job to tell everybody the gospel. And Peter, of course, he doesn't have hatred toward this guy. God's done a work in his heart and he has love. And that's what we really ought to pray for. I'm using the other as an illustration. But what we got to ask God for is that you, he gives us a love for every person. Because when you meet people, it's, you know, I'm so white it ain't funny. I mean, I come from Celts. I'm, I'm, my aunt told me that Scotsmen were just seasick Vikings. You know, they just dropped them off in Scotland. And, and, and I, I mean, I, I'm just Celtic as they come, you know, and, and, and thank God the Celts can get saved, right? My, my job is just tell every person breathing who Jesus is. And there's, the only kind of people there are is not that I'm Celtic and you're this or that or the other thing. There's only saved and lost. There's only one race, the human race, and they're divided into two groups, saved and lost. And every person you meet is in one of those two groups. I know the Titanic's an old story, but they made a movie about it, you know, in the last decade or so, and so we can talk about it again. But when that ship sailed, they had huge lists, and I don't recommend the movie uh, because it's about a, 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 a predator taking advantage of an emotionally disturbed girl. Um, I mean, you know, what if the youth pastor said, hey, we're all going to go down the road and peek in the window while those people are doing, you know, marital things. You'd go, <laughs> bet you bring in your home, show it on TV. Um, right? <laughs> Sorry, I might have stepped on your toes. But, but when that, sh- so if you saw that movie, you saw that like that, the, the guy character in there, he, he wasn't allowed to even be in a room. He was down there in storage. They just found a place to sleep. But when that ship sank, they had two lists in the office, saved and lost. And I'm telling you, we're going to stand for God someday. And well, 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 God, you didn't call us to minister to those people. Yeah, he, he did. There's nobody outside of our reach. There's nobody outside of who God has called us to. The world is our parish. There's no place we ought not go and, and preach the gospel. And so the Holy Spirit fell and it even surprised the Jewish people there in verse 46. And they were hearing them speaking in tongues and, and extolling God. And, and it says in verse 45, And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the Holy Spirit fell. They didn't think they could get saved. They didn't think it was possible for those people to know Christ or to know God. And yet God said, oh yeah, they can know me. Watch this. Boom. Holy Spirit comes and they're saved. And then we see in the last, next to the last verse... Peter says, can anybody withhold water baptism? Because they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. They said, of course not. And they baptize them into the fellowship. And they say, hey, Peter, would you hang out? So Peter hangs out for some days. It doesn't tell us how long. And he starts educating them about who Jesus is. And then sometime later we get to chapter 11, which we don't have time to do today. But in chapter 11, Peter's criticized for what he did. So let me tell you, I was praying. Holy Spirit directed me. I went and God baptized him in the Holy Spirit. What was I supposed to do? And Peter answers that with an orderly thing of what happened. Well, what can you do about it? I don't know where you are today, but as a church, I'm so excited for Church United because you're going to have an opportunity to reach people Calvary cannot. You understand that? Calvary has an opportunity to reach people you cannot. And that means we've got to be a team together. 
No one guy does every position on a team. And God does not have solo sports. Okay? He, he does teamwork. And we're all on the same team. And so what can you do about this? Well, let the Holy Spirit sensitize you, those around you. He's preparing to hear the gospel. And let God prepare you to, to speak the gospel to them. You may need to take a class or understand better, uh, you know, how to share your faith. But listen, if you're saved, you know how to share your faith. Because if you don't know what happened to you, how are you going to tell anybody else? So if it happened to you, you just tell them what happened to you. All I know is I trusted Christ and he changed my life. And he died on a cross for our sins. And I asked him to fix me and he started working on that. Right? You can witness. And you can be a witness. Secondly, prepare yourself with scripture to allow God to challenge your cultural beliefs. You know, I, I could illustrate it. If, if I had another book up here, what you've done, I'll pick up my iPad and say it. This is a book of my culture, and this is God's Word. The only question remains, which one's going to be my Bible? Right? I'm not going to let my culture dictate to me how I act. I grew up in a certain culture, as I told you. But this is my Bible. And this Bible says, if you say you're in the light and hate your brother, you're in darkness even till now. So let the Bible challenge your cultural attitudes and unbiblical beliefs so that you can follow God completely without reservation. In other words, the scripture must be your guide, not, not what your mama told you. Number three, prepare yourself to share the reason for the hope that's in you. Just be prepared. Be a Boy Scout, man. Be prepared. I know it sounds like I'm going to repeat myself. I can't say it enough. We have to be ready. I guarantee you, all of us every day have an opportunity, and we miss it because we're not sensitized to what God's doing. My wife and I, when we were first married, we took a church. I was in the country. We went further out into the country. We went to only dying county in South Carolina. People were getting out of there as quick as they could. It's full of swamps, gators, deer, and stuff. And the only industry there was farming and hunting. And they brought in a federal prison. They all rejoiced because they're going to have jobs. It was that kind of place. I came back to North Charleston to visit my mom. And we're standing in North Charleston in a neighborhood, a bunch of houses. And I looked at my wife and said, did you hear that? She said, I did. And everybody else around said, what did what, what, you hear? We heard a red-tailed hawk squawk as it flew over. But nobody else heard it. But we had been sensitized to hearing that. Ask God to sensitize you to people's cry. Share the gospel with me. Because they're asking you every day to do it. This church, God's going to do so much through Church United. And we rejoice to see it. And we are so grateful to to been a part of it, to be a partner in everything you're doing. And listen, I'm going to go back to Calvary and I'm going to tell them, you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. It's awesome because it is. And we love God for it. Let's pray together. And as, as we go into prayer... I don't know what God might have told you through that. I, what I've learned is so many times God speaks to people, stuff I didn't know I even said or that you hear something I don't realize that God's speaking to you about. And so I, I wouldn't even pretend to tell you what you ought to do. But there, you might be sitting here tonight, this morning, I mean, and, and say, man, I don't even know Christ. I, I'm not saying, I don't know Jesus. I, I've never come to that point where I've surrendered my life to his will. Well, today's a great day to do that. And even while I'm still speaking, you just tell God, listen, I, I know I need you. I can't save myself. I need you to take over my life. Make me a new person in Christ. Make me brand new. 
And if you do pray and ask him to do that, then you need to tell somebody here at this church because you need to learn. You need to be discipled. You need to start getting uh, some discipleship in your life of what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you're sitting here and you're a Christian and you've been a part of this church since it first began. And God may be challenging you in new ways. He may be doing new things. And God's doing so many new things at Church United. And maybe God is, is giving you some specific things that he wants you to do. And you, maybe you've been wrestling with them or trying to ignore them. And maybe today you need to say yes to that. So you let Pastor Rob know that God spoke to your heart and that you have decided to obey him. And then maybe you're here and every day you just go through life without thinking about those who need to know Christ. Right now, I would, if I were you, I would just ask God to help you to be able to hear the cry of those who want to know Christ. Lord God, as we bow in your presence, none of us are worthy. We get that. So we are so thankful that you alone are worthy and you count us worthy. You make us worthy. You give us your righteousness. You give us uh, your power, your ability. You fill us through the Holy Spirit that we might be worshipers of the Heavenly Father, worshipers of Jesus Christ, worshipers of the Holy Spirit, that you might fill us and use us. Lord, we don't want to go through life and one day stand before you and realize we missed every opportunity you gave us. Lord, we want to be obedient servants of your grace. Lord, we pray for Pastor Rob. We pray that you would heal him right now in Jesus' name. Just give healing to his body. But Lord, we pray that you would give healing to this church body, that you would give grace to this church body that whatever hindrances and problems there might be in people's hearts and lives and minds that Lord today you begin to work in them to make things right and Lord I pray that this church will be able to glorify you and all it says and does so that we stand around the throne of the multitude that cannot be numbered worshiping the lamb that was slain the lion of Judah seated on his throne as we throw crowns at your feet, for you alone are worthy. And you turn and give all glory to the Father. So, Lord, use us to add to that multitude in our lifetime. We just thank you in Jesus' name.